0: You're listening to a podcast from the Queen Mary Centre for the History of the Emotions. We've created this series of short audio pieces to introduce listeners to what we do. As historians of emotions, we look to the past to understand our feelings in the present. How did a once deadly form of homesickness become a rose-tinted yearning for the past? In this episode about nostalgia, emotions and health, Agnes Arnold Forster investigates.
1: In the late 17th century, a mysterious disease broke out among Swiss mercenary soldiers fighting far from home. Distracted by sounds of distant cowbells, they would become lethargic, morose and have trouble sleeping. Bodily symptoms followed, heart palpitations, contusions and dementia. Some soldiers died of the illness, refusing to eat and slowly starving to death. In 1688, a medical student, Johannes Hoffer, described the disease in a treatise and named it Nostalgia. By the 19th century, nostalgia had become one of the most studied medical conditions in Europe, and the last person to be diagnosed and died from the disease was an American soldier fighting on the Western Front in 1918. It wasn't until the mid-20th century that nostalgia acquired its contemporary meaning. Sometime in the 1950s, it was transformed from an emotion to do with a yearning for a distant place, to one that was about longing for a bygone era. In 1951, The concise Oxford Dictionary of current English knew nostalgia only as homesickness. By the 1964 edition, the dictionary defined the emotion as a sentimental yearning for some period of the past. Today, nostalgia has lost many of the negative associations it had in the 19th century and before. The psychologist Konstantin Sekikides defines nostalgic feelings as "...predominantly fond, personally meaningful and rosy memories of childhood or close relationships." According to scholars like Sekakides, nostalgia serves a range of psychological functions. It has capacity to improve perceptions of friendship and social support, nurture sentiments of protection and love, lower anxiety and prompt sociable behaviour. Nostalgia might, therefore, be a bittersweet emotion, but it is usually more sweet than bitter. The feeling of nostalgia might be pleasurable for the individual experiencing it but its reputation as an influence in society is not so honeyed. Nostalgia has been blamed for a range of perceived social and political sins, from Brexit to Donald Trump's call to make America great again. Some left-wing commentators have criticised recent populist movements for their nostalgic appeals to a mythic bygone age, an age, they suggest, that some people wish to return to because it had far fewer women and far fewer people of colour in the public sphere. The sociologist Yanis Gabriel has called nostalgia the latest opiate of the people. You see, that's how you know it's a Trump rally. However, there are other ways to interpret the emotion. Take the NHS as an example. If you spend any time speaking to doctors and nurses, it quickly becomes apparent that nostalgia is an occupational hazard of working in the British Health Service. Since its foundation in 1948... The NHS has been subjected to funding constraints, managerial reforms and administrative restructuring. These profound and periodic changes have not, on the whole, been well received by those who work for the service. Before the introduction of EU legislation in the early 2000s, many doctors and nurses regularly worked more than 100 hours in a single working week. This was the norm. You would think, perhaps, that this legislation to limit working hours would be welcomed by these overworked healthcare professionals. Instead, many, if not most, doctors and nurses have fond, nostalgic memories of the past and make unfavourable comparisons with their working lives today. They want, it seems, to return to a world where they regularly worked more than 100 hours in a single week. One surgeon, born in 1948, told me that he thought he was lucky to have been trained in that era and that, like many of his colleagues, he is a supporter more of how it once was than how it is today. You could say that this nostalgia is just a slightly more benign version of the nostalgia that permeates populist politics. Hospitals used to be far more hierarchical, far whiter and far more male than they are today. Perhaps those harking back to the bygone years of their training are lamenting the diversification of healthcare that has taken place over the last few decades. Instead, I think we can see nostalgia not just as a rose-tinted vision of a static past, that ignores the realities of the 21st century world and workforce, but rather as a creative tool that can be deployed as part of a broad arsenal of reform. That same surgeon went on to say that in the old system, you felt very much like you were part of a group. Whatever you were doing, you were working within the team, and that gave you a very strong feeling of belonging and commitment. And that's not an unusual perspective. In an article published in the Bush Medical Journal, one doctor wrote, It was Monday, 27th of December 1999. It was to be the busiest day of the year. Paradoxically, I enjoyed the 24 hour period. It was like the good old days when doctors and nurses worked together rather than in parallel. Doctors and nurses, when asked, reflect not on an outdated model of working life, but on an age of long working hours made bearable by the emotional support provided by their colleagues and the compassionate connections they could form with their patients when they were able to maintain some form of continuity of care. Neither sick nor sentimental, these men and women use nostalgia to express their discontent with their working lives. If the history of emotions is about the changing nature of passions, feelings, sentiments, and their ability to transform the world in which we live and work, then nostalgia offers a crucial and illuminating case study of this historical shifting and shaping.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. It's part of the Living With Feeling project funded by the Wellcome Trust. We hope it helped you feel better. To find out more about our work, please visit emotionslab.org.